And what's going on, everybody? Welcome. This is Lore Fours, the podcast for Ashes of Creation, and we are your hosts. My name is Jibs, and I'm joined by Mr. Bald and Beautiful himself, Cash. Oh, I thought you were going to go to Sunny, but it appears <laughs> she has a head of hair, so... <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're going to me, man. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's good. This is good. I've needed the, uh, I've needed the camaraderie this week, because it seems like all of us have been missing each other. Not like, <laughs> I miss you! Well, a little Late bit of that, night. but like, like missing each other in, like, chips in the night, like that kind of thing, just... One person pops in, another person pops out. So it's uh, it's good to get back on the mics with you guys at least once a week where we are glued to this chair. Agreed. Agreed. And Sonny Ravencourt's here. I would prefer it if you'd address me as the hero of Czechoslovakia. <laughs> I've been playing Kingdom Come Deliverance for quite a while now, and oh. I feel like <laughs> I have really earned my place in the Czech Republic. I realized that Czechoslovakia went away about 20 years ago, <laughs> but in my brain, I will never like not know it as Czechoslovakia because it's just a cool name, right? <laughs> it's uh, Czechoslovakia. It's <laughs> good. It's good. I feel like in the chat channel, the Czechs and the Slovaks are about to throw down. <laughs> <laughs> no, and seriously, Kingdom more. Come Deliverance. I've been so on our Lore Forge channel um, because we stream under Ashes of Creation. Ashes of Creation is not out yet, but we will get further news on that. They're going to actually come out with a quarter update uh, very uh -huh. soon. So we have to stream something. And I started playing Kingdom Come Deliverance on hardcore mode. And I cannot tell you how many people have come into our channel and said, what game is this? And it is, it is an amazing game. It is a ton of fun. Um, and it, and it kind of has like sort of ashes vibes, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. bows and swords and shields and Czechoslovakia and stuff like that. <laughs> When you said bows, I thought I thought of Czechoslovakians throwing elbows, you know. Yeah, you know, throwing bows. <laughs> <laughs> there is a little bit of that. There's, you know, some drunken fighting and, uh, yeah. and things like that. It's it's a good time. It's amazingly open-ended. I played it uh, briefly, and when I had it. Oh, God, yes. It's incredible. It reminds me, I know we kind of talked a little bit about this on the, our State of the Owl episode for our patrons, but... Um, it reminds me in a lot of ways of how Morrowind was way back in the day, like old school RPGs. You know, it's like, hey, there's a quest, but you can do it in like seven different ways. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's an interesting question for Ashes, too, because we don't know a lot about Ashes. And so some of us came from way back in the day of MMOs when they were a little bit more hardcore. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and punishing. And yep. <laughs> this game I'm playing on hardcore mode and it is absolutely punishing absolutely punishing i'm gonna show you this this is a visual gag but i had to write this down and draw little hieroglyphs because my compass doesn't actually show north and south and so i looked really carefully at it and this is what i've come up with <laughs> so it is just absolutely <laughs> insane how punishing yeah it's well i'm looking at it, it's like these are the pictures that happen at around when i'm facing north on my it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I'm looking um, at that. It looks like you might have had a stroke in the middle of trying to make a picture. 
<laughs> seizure out. Mean, does, we could do a whole show. We we might do a whole show on like how hardcore is too hardcore for MMOs, right? That's a because good. Oh, that's a great I'm writing idea. it down right now. Write it down. Put it on the list. How hardcore is too hardcore for MMOs? Because man, we have seen it all. We have started with the hardcore and we have moved into the lead by the nose, and now I think we're trending back the other way. So yeah, that's a future show that we're gonna have to do. I feel like I could answer that and we could just sum up that show right now as permadeath. Permadeath, too much. Too hardcore. No, thank you. I disagree. (laughs) I think if when done right, it can be fun. Well, so this one, um, this particular game, this is a lot like Skyrim, right? You know, single player RPG, open world, everything like that. Well, it turns out that in the hardcore mode, you don't actually save unless you sleep, which is kind of like RPG elements, right? Like you got to go to an inn and that, that's where you save. Well, I played about two hours on the stream the first day and then all of a sudden took an arrow to the knee and died, not realizing that I hadn't actually slept in a bed yet. And it was like, hey, guess what? You're dead. New game? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> so it was, that was a bit hardcore for me. I don't know if I'm quite ready to do that on an MMO level. That's pretty intense. I wish I could say, like, a, mine has been that extravagant, but I'll be honest. I've just been um, working and content creating and playing Warcraft. <laughs> Doing the you know, uh, arena Warcraft, grind. you played Warcraft way back in the day. And yeah. Warcraft is a great you know, that's a great game that has done it all, right? Like it started yeah. off pretty hardcore compared to the other ones. And then yeah. it's gone one way. And now maybe we're going, now you have people like, didn't you like do the classic one? I would still be playing. Yeah. I, I genuinely love that style of MMO. I, I, I love it more than retail, that styling. Uh, but it's just um, when you compare it to the features and plus I know <clears throat> Cash likes to play retail and I, wherever, when he's happy, I'm happy. So like, um, <laughs> Uh, when, when he's happy, I'm happy. It's like it's like having a wife. That's a gaming wife. Like it's like when when wife's happy, smooth sailing, right? It's exactly like a gaming. It's wife. It's exactly like that. So when he's happy, happy cash, I can happy be life. Phone calls are great. Then no, um, but yes, to answer your question, I I do genuinely like that style of MMO. It's okay. You can go ahead and talk. It's okay. Yeah, I can't. You, you can just jump in anytime <laughs> you want, there, buddy. All right. Get, you, you guys send me a text message. <laughs> Turn on your microphone. Send me a text message when it's time for me to talk. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I, I've I've enjoyed uh, hardcore games in the past. I think that like the last super hardcore hardcore game that I played was Shadowbane, but it was like that totally ages me right there. Nothing wrong with that. I don't even remember that. That was the first game that I ever experienced uh, being player killed and having somebody steal my loot. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's legit. I I was like, I don't like this game. (laughs) I want my stuff. What a bad. That is hard to imagine now if you got killed and someone could take your loot. That that hasn't been in games Forever. You know, that's what New World was supposed to be originally. Yep. Really? And it's about yep. to be in Ashes. I mean, there's going to be certain components of it. And I think I think the good thing about Ashes is that Ashes is going to take some of the best things of those games and implement them, but take some the least fun things out of that. And Like, you won't be able to take everybody's, all of their stuff that's in their bag. Right. Right, Some right. of it you might, and depending on how corrupted you are or how, how red you play the game, people might be able to take some of your pieces. 
Yeah. So. Yep. That's going to be interesting. Yep. That is for sure. Speaking of interesting, here's a segue. Uh, we got an interesting show for you all tonight, for all of you who are tuning in and listening. I don't know if I said this earlier, but this is episode 17, and that this week on the show, we are answering, number one, your mail, and number two, this is our community episode. We're talking about running communities. Now, preface this by saying this, we are recording the eve of the development update. It's just the way our schedules worked out. We couldn't do the recording you know, the evening of that they're they're doing their update. So that will be next week's episode will be the development update episode. But before we move even further, gentlemen, I would like to issue a huge congratulations to a very big uh, friend of ours of the show to Vladis Gaming, who had his baby girl with the baby with the <laughs> yes. baby. Yeah, he, did. he posted a picture of him with his with his, with his brand new baby girl. And if there's anything in this world that gets my heartstrings and just like a harp, it is a daddy with his baby girl. Oh, yeah, dude. You can just Beautiful tell. Thing. He loves it. He's loving being a dad. All, all, yeah. uh, so some uh, sweet memories and sweet pics. First kid? Yeah. Is that his first kid? No. No, he's not got, first kid. I don't believe so. I think he's got other kids. I think he has yeah. one, one other. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many, but I do remember asking because I, I think I specifically asked him when he was saying, oh, yeah, we got a baby on the way. I was like, is that your first? And he said, no, 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 no. But it's I a saw that girl. picture, though. I saw that picture in uh, was it on Twitter or something Twitter like that? Yeah, X. something like that. And it just yeah. What a what a beautiful yeah. picture. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Congrats. Yes, a thousand times over, my friend. Congratulations on being a dad. Gentlemen, we got the mail here. It's in my hand. That's I for, can hear it. That's for effect. It's not really the that's, mail, but it's... But it's real It's paper. a visual <laughs> gag that it's very real paper that I have written on. And uh, this coming to us from our friend Turtle. It says, gents, while catching up on episodes, I heard you make a comment about next generation MMOs. Cash go to the wiki. And to update your systems. there has been, Has there been any information provided about system requirements or... Are there any conclusions that can be made based on Unreal Engine 5? Release is probably a far enough out that it would be a good time to start planning rather than finding out last minute you can't run the game. Ta-da. I know this I, question gives me anxiety. So, <laughs> so on the wiki, that's why I said cash go the wiki, there is alpha one system requirements that are there, but that was Unreal 4. That was not mm-hmm. uh, Unreal 5. And I will always be a proponent. Look, when you can upgrade, do it. But no, to answer your question, unless there's something I missed, gentlemen, there are not official specs out yet. No. I don't think they're there yet. Um, I honestly don't. And I think the reason being is because when they are closer, as we always say, closer, Clarice, closer, um, as they get closer to Alpha <laughs> Two being released, uh, those specs will most certainly be uh, made available for people because they also they their goal is they want people to play their game, so they are going to have it as optimized as humanly possible, but at the same time, um, with the ability to bring out all those beautiful things that Unreal Five can bring out. So right. I would say. Uh, just be patient on that one. Uh, we, we are also being patient on that one. Um, 
because once Alpha 2 gets closer, you will definitely have like a minimum spec requirement and then like an optimal spec requirement for it, which could change. That could change uh, with upgrades that they possibly do in between Alpha 2 and launch of Unreal 5. But Unreal 5, from what I understand, is a pretty darn stable platform. So I would doubt that they're going to do too much uh, changing that. I wonder if there's like general specs for Unreal 5, period. Yeah, I think that you probably should look at like comparable games um, that are out there. New World would be a good one, right? It's just a modern game. Uh, But Unreal 5 is definitely, uh, in my limited PC building knowledge, uh, a, a very stable platform that uh, I don't think that we're going to have like huge fluctuations. It just kind of is what it is. I think that they are not putting that information out because there's almost no benefit to them doing so. They're still adjusting things. They're changing things all of the time. And until we get to the point where it's like, okay, alpha coming out in like a couple months, this is what it's going to be. Like, what's the point of telling us specs for something that's so far out and nobody's playing it? You know, it just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense on it. So we'll get it, you know, maybe a month or so before we can actually play it. And then, you know, that will just be the specs for that particular build. That'll be the specs for Alpha 2. And then when we get to beta, you might get completely different specs because they might be making changes. Hopefully we don't get some sort of wholesale engine change again. That would be wild but i i doubt that very much if you go to the wiki for ashes it says ashes of creation alpha testing minimum system specifications these system specifications have not changed for unreal engine 5 oh well, there you go and these are what's the graphics card um we'll get there just wait for it operating <laughs> system windows 10 64 bit okay. um intel core, intel core i3 Okay. At 3.3 gig. Um, or AMD Phenom 2. Graphics card NVIDIA GeForce GTX 750. I think, a whole 750? A whole 750. I think a lot of people are going to be really nice when I it think, comes to these <laughs> I think I have a box fan in the corner of uh, my office here that if I just found a way to curl, like duct tape it to my computer it might run that <laughs> yeah I th- yeah I think like I think my ig- the ignition of my computer uses right. GTX 750 wire up an the power actual button. potato <laughs> the power button uses that's gotta be like bare minimum though right like as far as FPS yeah. is concerned Yes, That's the this is the on. minimum <laughs> system spec. So you're probably going to be running things on low. Now, rec- okay, let me finish this off. So eight gigs of RAM. Uh, oh, my gosh. A broadband internet connection. A broadband? Uh, 50 gigs of space and a DirectX compatible sound card. Those are the minimum specs. Now, moving on. To- <laughs> You've got Mom, get off the phone! Oh my god, we're five. Yes, you need two landlines in order to run this game. Oh my gosh. Uh, Okay, recommended specs. Uh, Same thing, Windows 10 64 bit. Uh, Processor Intel i7 is what's recommended. So, okay, it's a little beefier there. Yeah, step up there. Um, NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1060, which Mm. is like the. 
it's the bigger version of your box fan behind your computer, yep. <laughs> which is not bad at all, not hard to get. Uh, or a Radeon R9 Fury, uh, DirectX 12, 16 gigs of RAM, same thing, 50 gigs, 50 gigs of space, and a DirectX compatible sound card. If that's pretty low, the way you roll, super low. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, Galwood chat says if you listen to Steven during the UE5 reveal, he says they don't know if specs will change. Quote, but we'll let us know, end quote. So, yeah, we'll probably find out yeah. around A2 start. You yeah. know, I wouldn't be surprised if that, like, the recommended specs and everything is fine and the game looks great, but, like, you also had some high end on that where if you really cranked it up, you might get something beautiful. Oh, yeah, I can't yeah, wait to push or it. you might burn your card. <laughs> a la Diablo 4. Yeah, Diablo 4. <laughs> Watching our friends burn their cards in Diablo 4 was the exact reason why I sent a... Yeah. Hundred or what was it like two hundred and sixty five or five hundred FPS limit? Yeah, you basically set it to your monitor, right? Yeah, like, it, pretty much. However, your however fast your monitor goes, your graphics card does not need to go any more frames per second than that. You yeah. can't see it. So that was yeah. that was a thing with like on especially on loading menus, right? Where you're hitting like two and three thousand frames a second because it was having issues, and all of a sudden your graphics card just goes. and then it's it's glue and that's about it why is my computer whizzing right now that's the legit (laughs) reason i quit diablo 4 after seeing our friends cards i'm like i just built this rig i'm not about to buy another 4090 forget that was the beta though wasn't it wasn't that the beta it happened during release as well beta and release yeah get out it happened on full release full release and it was not covered by media which is quite interesting to say the least but mm-hmm. you know, like uh, I'm like not gonna do it. No, no, no reason, no reason to take that kind of risk. Not for Diablo Four. Nope. No. But anyway, so yeah, we'll keep our eyes on that, and when we have specs and stuff like that, we'll definitely bring it back up on the show. That is for sure. Speaking of gentlemen, uh, coming back on the show, we have a phone caller. We have a voicemail. A voicemail. We have a voicemail. Fun fact. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Ooh yeah. <laughs> Very so cool. it's Ooh, a I like it's, voicemails. It's a returning favorite. Uh I don't know if he's calling collect from his country, but we'll we'll oh, take no. a listen. So uh let's uh take a listen to the voicemail. Uh, hello, Jibs Asuni and the Cash. This Victor from overseas. I call in again. This time I want to talk about the lately thing from Ashes of Creation. The caravan. I have uh, some problem with the system. First of all, in my country, when we ship stolen firearms, I mean, totally legal goods. <laughs> I need to keep that on the DL, you know, just in case governmental agency listening to your stupid show. Anyway, we don't use cart and horse to make transport. What is this Vera maybe living in the dark ages? We use locomotive like every other modern country. Sheesh. So maybe Vera put in a rail system? I don't know. Might be a smart idea. Also, does Vera have a fire brigade? I see video where caravan is a fire and nobody make a bucket brigade to put it out. How they sell the burnt AKs? Everyone know fire damage these goods. Anyway, maybe you pass along to people in charge in Vera. So, one last thing. I want you to know... I start a YouTube channel. Yes, and I don't have much time, so 
I just steal other people's videos and I use the AI to dub better voice over their stupid talking. It's really fun. And maybe you can donate to my link too. Somebody has to put the Shubat on my table. Anyway, I see you maybe again when I have more change for make another phone call. I'll see you later. Peace, love, and honeybees. <laughs> We gotta have that guy on the show. Oh, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Little background on this. <laughs> so it turns out that this is actually pretty true. <laughs> Victor did start a YouTube channel. <laughs> so oh, yes. someone has started a YouTube channel. Uh, from overseas, uh, I'm not good enough with languages to determine exactly where it is, but it looks pretty Russian to me. <laughs> and, uh, all of our videos, including, uh, the Golden Feather Tavern. Oh, as a matter of fact, I think that I'm not sure if the Golden Feather Tavern actually had these because they were longer. They might've dodged this, but like Richie and, uh, Ashes of Relation, all these other videos, uh, Stikano, <laughs> he is the Victor has taken their videos, downloaded them, overdubbed <laughs> Russian voices onto it, and then put it back up under his own channel. <laughs> this is an actual thing that is happening right now, and it is kind of hilarious. I thought Stikano's comment was one of the funniest things I'd seen for a while, and he goes, I don't know. I kind of like his content. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Stikano. He's got a great sense of humor. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was We're hitting the Russian airwaves, so, you know, hey. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Number, number 32 gaming podcast. Number 32. In Russia. <laughs> according to Apple podcast numbers. Yeah. Oh, I'm, man. I'm just calling it out. I think we need to have Victor on the show. That guy is freaking hilarious making phone calls overseas. I'm interested to see how that would work. Us. I love it. I love it. I think it would be fantastic. We just, just, maybe we have to do it in the middle of the night because it'd be on his time zone, but I I was dying when I saw that. That Victor was the first thing I thought of. Victor (laughs) stealing all of our videos. It's Victor. It's Victor. I love your content. It works so well on my channel. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Oh, that's good. Well, don't forget, friends, you can always call us. 516-875-1776 516-875-1776 or you can always email us loreforcehq at gmail.com get your stuff in the show gentlemen we talked about doing this last episode and it was a discussion on community now for those of you who are listening this came in on the tail end of our episode and we realized hey if we do this now it's going to be another solid hour at least of just content for the show and so we give it its own episode and admittedly there's really not like a great way to start this off <laughs> except it's like it's it almost reminds me of podcasting because it's like at every every one of our points in our lives we were like i think i want to do a show it's, mm-hmm. the same, it's the same thing for community i think i want to start a community Okay. Yeah. It, it also works that way with bands. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to start a band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. sitting. I was sitting at the table at Station One with the other firefighters, and I'm like, I don't even know what I was doing, just like having coffee. And I'm like, I think I'm going to start a band. <laughs> They're like, 
what? <laughs> yep, I'm going to start a band. And so then I started a band. That's how all of this starts. That's how communities start. That's how podcasts starts. That's how bands start. All of this yeah. stuff starts the exact same way. Sometimes with creating a community, you have to be strong-armed into it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie on that one, um, especially if you've done communities before. I'm really glad that, we, that we're bringing this one up and that we're going we're gonna to cover this one. Uh, because this is probably something that's looming on the minds of a lot of people who are following Ashes of Creation because they know that the game is it's coming. I mean, it's it is it's going to be an amount of time, but the game is coming and there's there's no better time than pre-launch than to get something like this going with a really fun guild premise. And some of the things that we're going to that we're going to talk about are just like, how do you come up with that guild premise? But pre-launch is a very magical time to have to have a a guild and a community and start making friends because when that game launches like it's go time so it's it's already too late (laughs) yeah and this game's gonna be a race it is absolutely gonna be a race in a lot of the things in this game to get established because the the quicker that some of these metropoli get established um i think folks are are going to realize that it's going to be hard to unseat some of that power it's going to be um, it's going to be an ebb and flow in how these servers work, but the folks that are going to have a leg up are going to be the folks that, well, neckbeard this thing and have done a lot of planning with their guilds before the game even launches. Uh, there, so there's a person that's on, uh, man, it, it, there's a person that's on our YouTube channel that watches some of our content, and he's posted the same thing a couple times with regards to guilds and you just sort of brought this up that it's going to start early and it's going to start big and it might be one of those things where it's difficult to unseat power well this person has said uh pretty definitively too definitively for my uh tastes because i don't think you know this for sure but he says this game is going to be controlled by large guilds no matter what they do small guilds are not going to have a place in the game large guilds are going to run all of the metropolises all of the freeholds all of the stuff and it's just a large guild game at this point. Now, I've not seen a game where they actually put bonuses in for small guilds. This is something new to me, and it seems like they have actually thought of the concept of how a small guild will compete. So that's a plus. Um, I don't know necessarily whether or not large guilds will dominate like this. Uh, JB, do you think that large communities are going to start off early and just nobody else uh, sees anything but their taillights? I think so. Uh, but I, I think more more what you'll see is just a blob of people will be everywhere. And ultimately, I think it, it could very well be you're going to see this these things where people are like, hey, I can't beat them, join them. Kind of kind of thing, mainly because from a number standpoint, and really, I have nothing to go against this, even from a devil's advocate standpoint, because of what I've seen that's close to this kind of sort of asterisk is New World. When you saw the big guilds that ran the servers, they ran the maps. And yes, I know yeah. that there are buffs, etc., and things that can happen, and, and alliances. You know, don't want to discount that for Ashes of Creation, but truthfully, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I do, because at the end of the day, numbers win fights. It's, I mean, you can be buffed, and we don't know what those buffs are. I don't want to downplay that at all. We don't know what they are. It could be groundbreaking, okay? And if that's the case, then foot and mouth happily shut up. But it's until we know that, I'm going off what we know, and it just typically it's a numbers game. 
Well, historically, it certainly has been. Historically, uh, and New World was just a oh, terrible example, right? Like, like it, it just terrible in the way that it was so you're so accurate, but you'd see a map and it was just controlled by one color and you could not unseat them from power. And they had all the advantages and it was just miserable for other factions. That is, and I'm just going to put this out there, that is my biggest fear for Ashes. Out of anything that we've ever covered in this entire thing, domination of a certain faction, guild, whatever, in a server is the thing that worries me the most in Ashes. Because it didn't, it, it isn't a thing in many games, but it is a thing in Ashes, and it was a thing in New World. And when you saw it in New World, it really kind of destroyed the fun out of it when you just felt like you had no hope in any of these mechanisms that they built like sieges and like turnover of cities and all this other stuff and you're just like what is the point of all of this if we're just going to get rolled by this one giant faction all the time there's a lot of stuff in here that that is different much bigger servers right the the server size gigantic Hopefully they have an eye on it with the mechanisms they're putting in place, small guild bonuses, all sorts of stuff like that. But man, I just, I, I really didn't like that about New World. I think most people are thinking that, the, that large guilds are going to, to just run the roost. And I think <clears throat> the reason for that is because that is historically the way that it's gone with games that have those mechanics in place. But the... The real thoughtful mechanics that are being put in place are the fact that guilds, smaller guilds in this game will get more perks, more points to put into that into that guild tree. I think it's way too early to tell right now because we've only seen maybe a few of the perks that you can get, you know, like faster health regen rates or faster mining or harvesting or things like that. We have not seen how that system is going to be fleshed out yet. It could be that having a smaller guild will make you a force to be reckoned with on the battlefield because of, you know, maybe battleground buffs or something that you get. We just don't know what those things are or or on the flip side. And as they've said, they're not going to combat this. A larger guild or a larger community making a bunch of smaller guilds to take advantage of all of those perks. Um so it's going to be is going to be a really interesting balance to see how Alpha 2 plays out when a bunch of these larger guilds get in there and, and start doing that. And then you have you're going to conversely have smaller guilds that are going to be trying these systems out. So I personally think it's just way too early to tell. I love speculating, but it's just way too early to tell. Yeah, I agree. I like what Gallwood said in chat. It says uh, in Eve, large alliances could push people around, but there was plenty of room for small groups of players. There is going to be a huge world. Plenty of room. Just don't step in front of the Zerg train. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Tactics. Yeah. I mean, and he's not wrong. Like, that's exactly how it worked in Eve, right? Like, you'd have these massive, massive guilds doing massive guild things, but then you'd have smaller guilds doing smaller guild things. The The problem is when you want it all, right? When yeah. you are the small guild and you want the big guild things. When you're... When you're the solo player, but you want the group content as a solo player, right? Like that's, this is kind of the MMO thing. I want all of the things and, and you know, it's, it's difficult to give somebody all of the things. As far as a community though goes, I mean, it, it is, it would be interesting to see how you take a large guild 
carve it up into small guilds and still manage it like a guild. I mean, you could, there's all sorts of ways to skin this cat. Just off at the top of my head, you could have like Loreforged 1, Loreforged 2, Loreforged 3. And you're just like slotting them in like fantasy football. I mean, you could do that, right? Yeah. You could certainly do that. But I, I, I think we, I want to kind of transition back to, to our original thoughts here. And the original thoughts are when you do make that decision, when you do take the step, because it, it is absolutely a thousand percent a, a large step when you are stepping into guild leadership. And so when you're starting a community, so, you know, say like take us, for example, we're starting with community first. Now, it invariably is going to happen that our community at Loreforge on our discord is going that is going to transfer into a guild for the game now one of the biggest questions and this is just it's a huge pivot on what our conversation just was but how do you actually go about doing that like what what are some ways that you think you can really define the purpose of your guild the the niche that your guild is going to have, the platform for your guild. What do you, what do you think? So, what are some of the different ways you can do that? I think it comes back to keeping it simple and just like, what are your interests? As the GM, what interests you? Because ultimately, you're going to be managing this on a day-to-day basis, and you have to be able to invest yourself into what you're managing. And so if you're going to choose an angle or some kind of some kind of niche piece of content. Maybe you want to be fishing wranglers, you know, and that's your thing. Well, then you've got to love fishing. You know, maybe in real life, you you pull on real life things. Maybe you're a fisherman in, in real life. I know Tested Weevils uh, in here, and uh, he and his wife go fishing all the time. And, you know, so it's just like, it would make sense if he wanted to be a GM and be a GM of a fishing guild. Totally would get it. That'd be really cool dialogue, especially in Discord. People shooting the breeze, talking about fishing, doing their thing. So I think, I mean, you can pull on real life real life uh, interests and pull them into something that you're already genuinely interested in period in a game it's it's a win-win and it makes things a little bit easier because then you're not forcing yourself you're not putting energy into forcing yourself to to invest yourself in what you are creating it just comes natural yeah and i think that that what you're talking about is basically why mmos are successful right mmos draw on people's real life experience if you like economies you have the ability to do that if you like action combat you have the ability to do that if you like fishing you have the ability to do that so i've heard quite a bit from different people um even in our like discord our discord is not exclusive to people that have to be in our guild some people are starting their own guilds and they just like our podcast and then we're totally welcoming of that but they've talked about like I want my guild to be people that defend caravans right like they're basically privateers they're bounty hunters they want that kind of lifestyle defending caravans other people will do the opposite of that you will definitely 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 have pirate guilds that they all their their shtick is we're going to hit caravans we're going to hit the seas we're going to do all this stuff we're going to loot and rob and do all of that and that's the that's the identity of our guild so I think that you see a, a lot of that stuff, and, and that is one of the beauties of MMO communities, is you find something that you like to do, and then you find like-minded people that also like to do that, and you build a guild for them. Yeah, that's the key, I think, right there, is um, that we know that there's going to be all kinds of different guilds in there, and uh, Friendly Zombie says, I would love a flower-picking guild. That is definitely going to be a thing. There are going to be... Yeah. 
Um, there's going to be guilds for harvesting, unite. herbalists, um, uh, crafting. I mean, you're going to have oh, yeah. guilds like, you know, for us, we, you know, as, as we do ours, ours is, is mostly going to be based around um, uh, adults, working professionals, people who might not have a ton of time to play, but still want to want to get in there and, and play the game. You're going to have hardcore guilds. Like those are probably going to be your server first guilds. You're gonna, they're going to be there. There's going to be uh, entire PvP guilds. There's going to be role play guilds, trade guilds. They're all going to be there, and I think that really is is your. It is the first step in figuring out whether or not you you're going to run a guild. You have to have some kind of a premise, and I think that's that's just kind of bringing some of those premises out. Now, so say say you've you've come up with your premise, and now you uh, are you're ready to start, you know, maybe building the the skeleton for how this for how your guild is going to work. Jibs, what do you think is one of the most important things to establish in your guild? This is totally leading, (laughs) totally leading. What is one of the most important things to establish in your guild to assure to assure its success? I'm going to answer that. But before I answer that, I just want everyone to know who's listening. Uh, Cash is easily hands down the person who taught me community and is hands down the best community manager who's never been a community manager at a gaming company I've ever seen in my life. He taught me everything I know about it. Thank you. Uh, he's the one who taught me about the code of conduct. That's what you need. Yes. And uh, we are all laughing because <laughs> we have had several code codes of conduct in uh, in, in our past experiences with running several communities and it has always been i've always described your code of conduct our code of conduct as a living breathing document because just like in in the business world just like in uh you know in in the line of work like that sunny and i are in a public safety we follow rules. We follow guidelines. We would. We live in a society, people. We we have to follow some rules and guidelines, but at the same time, you cannot have a standard operating procedure for every single thing that is going to come across your table as a guild leader. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's just like you fly by the seat of your pants and make the best call, the best decision that you know how to make. And sometimes you don't always get it right. You know, sometimes it's stuff happens, you know, like I, I think back to lore, lore seeker days, like when when the community took off, it took off and we weren't expecting that we were. That was never in the cards, never a single thought, but it took off and it, it came. It became a OK, we need to make this call. What's the best call for this? You know, it, it in a lot of ways, it was proactively reactionary and the way we were making our calls and it, it worked out well you know we were able to to navigate through that but just from the standpoint of like hey it's not all, there may be surprises along the way and you just make the best calls that you can make yeah i mean this is another one of those things that i like i see i see documents like this and the lawyer in me just is kind of has a small mini stroke <laughs> it's like oh god so much potential chaos yeah <laughs> we yeah. uh in the legal world uh we call it the parade of horribles like uh running down the uh the potential terrible things that will happen as a result <laughs> of x y and z and how bad it can go if you make the following decisions 
And uh, the reality is this, like every code of conduct that I've ever seen you guys write is with best intentions and it always has a nice big catch all at the end. And then if it feels wrong, it probably is wrong, right? Like if it's not working for the community and, and we three are the ultimate deciders of that, then it's just not working. And I think that, um, despite how detailed you want a code of conduct to be, and they are, and it's better when you do have detail. I think that um, being able to just kind of be the gatekeeper on your community is a big thing. And cash, like as, as far as communities go, I know that you've had to make some tough decisions on things. And I wondered if you could kind of elaborate on like when you are implementing this code of conduct and when you have to protect your community. Uh, how does that how does that look when you do something like that? When when you're leading a community, it is it's very difficult having to take that leadership role. And and I think for for some folks, it is it's an eye opener to holy crap. I, I, now I actually have to lead this thing and I really don't know that much about leadership. So that's why I'm saying like it, it's a massive step when you get in there. You have to be OK as a leader of a community slash guild. You have to be OK with making unpopular decisions at times. Um, and that is why it, this this code of conduct thing is not just a bunch of things that you that you write down, like stand on the shoulders of giants when you're creating your code of conduct. Google it. Look at it. Use chat GPT. Come up with come up with some different things and then mix and match what you think is going to work for you, because a key factor in bringing folks into your community is making sure that they have read your code of conduct and they acknowledge in some way that you can come back to that they understand your code of conduct because that is your fallback. If somebody for some reason breaks your code of conduct, you want to be able to go back to that code of conduct and show them where they were wrong and where they were not following what was asked of them when they joined your community. And I smile when I look at uh, one of the comments in chat. Wizzy McNasty says, don't be surprised when a member quotes your own code of conduct when making their argument. And that's half the reason that suspect their guild exists. And totally understand that, totally get it. Like I understand that from stem to stern because we've had that exact thing happen to us on several occasions. And when that does happen and you find yourself in the wrong, also as a leader, you have to be okay with taking a step back and going, you know, you're right. Let's flesh this out. So I I do think that like we have some story. I'm sure we're going to get into some stories here. We have had some situations in in some guilds in the past where it has come down to us having to separate ties with people. And sometimes it's people who are very well liked in the community. But when when people get a platform, especially behind a keyboard, like you guys know, how, you know what keyboard warriors are. And you're most definitely going to get a couple in your guild at some point. And you have to be able to ride that fine line between being humble and still being able to kind of lay down the law when you need to. If you can be light handed, you, you know, and 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 lighthearted in the things that you do, then do it. But there are going to be those times where you are going to be called upon to make a difficult decision 
and separate somebody within your community for the betterment of everybody. Because it's not just that one person that matters. It is the entirety of your community that matters. And that is what you have to base your decisions upon, is your entire community. Those are tough calls. I I know there's been countless times we have not slept well. We have had nights where you do not have a peaceful rest. You're thinking about that situation with the community involved as well. And you're right. It's... When you step into a leadership role, you have to be willing to be not liked all the time because of your dedication to the code of conduct and your dedication to the to the greater community, the greater good. (laughs) You know, it's very true. And so it's 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 not always a it's not always roses, but it's rewarding. I remember making a couple of phone calls to you guys to make sure you're doing okay when you're going through a particularly tough time (laughs) Um, yeah yeah yeah, i mean those are those are tough days so here here's what i'm going to say to you though um those are difficult times but to turn this around uh in a more positive sense when when you have that code of conduct i think that it allows people to understand what you're all about as well and so I want to ask this of of both of you. Now, behind the scenes, this is something where these two guys have had very large community uh, before with Loreforged. And then I uh, have kind of I've always kind of been a lone wolf when it comes to what I do. We decided with this project we were going to do a community because we felt like it was the right project for a community and everything lined up and we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. And all three of us were just game on with this. There was no hesitation with this particular project that we were going to build a community for it. So I want to ask you this and I'll start with cash and then JB can go, go next. Can you think of a time when you with the community were able to look at your code of conduct or like think of your code of conduct in something in like a very positive way, as opposed to only looking at it as a hammer for the negative? Yes, and I think the re- the reason for that is because our our code of codes of conduct in the past have always had like a measure of lightheartedness to them, um, and I say that from uh, there's a, a couple things that have said you know don't don't do this because you know we'll launch the city guard at you or something like that to where it's lighthearted but people kind of get the point, so we we have always like tried to not seem heavy handed in, in certain, in certain aspects. And trust me, over the years, I have learned the difference between cutting something off at the head based on a a violation of the code of conduct or really, truly hearing somebody out, like to the point to where they're yelling and screaming privately, of course, because it's it's leadership and like the way that I've always done it is you always, um, You always, if you have to, I hate using this word, but you discipline in private, you praise in public. And so when when an issue would pop up, then I would always like just, hey, man, you got a minute? I just I want to talk to you about something that happened in Discord or in game or in raid or whatever. And then you pull that person aside and you have a private chat with them and you gather all those facts. And I have sat and just listened to people yelling and screaming at me before I just go dude, you're done. Like, like that was your opportunity to just explain stuff to me, but you took it to anger immediately. And that's just not how we roll. So I'm sorry, but you know, we're going to, we're going to have to separate. 
and I mean, you'll find a guild. There's a guild out there for you, but this is not the one. And I think that in itself, even though it seems negative, is a positive spin on our code of conduct because you're not just thinking about that one person. You think about everybody else that you are protecting from that person having that same tirade against another one of your members, which is a freaking nightmare. When now you're, you're getting a DM in the middle of the night or when you're in the middle of something important at work, you got a DM that says, dude, you got to get in here now. Dude, oh, I'm working. Gosh. Like, I can't <laughs> get in there right now. Can you just act like an adult? This Sometimes, house is literally on fire. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and we, we have definitely, <laughs> definitely had those moments and and a lot of those a lot of those do they go back to to our, our first community with mog nation we've definitely had some of those moments and some of the most poignant conversations i had with my worst critics are friends that we still have in our discord to this day and i love and respect those people for for calling us out and having us fix issues that you know, sometimes we would fix things that they didn't like, and sometimes they would just relent and go, yeah, you're kind of right. So it, it is an ebb and flow. And, and a lot of this, in a lot of these guilds and communities, there is an expectation that people are just going to act like adults. But man, do they just not do that sometimes. <laughs> so I guess, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll default to jibs uh, with the with the rest of the, you know, to close out the code of conduct uh discussion but um I, but i think it, code of conducts can be taken either positively or negatively it just depends on what you're trying to get away with yeah and 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 to kind of go off of that you know when you're setting up your code of conduct if especially when you're a content creator they they both play off each other really well and, and reason being is this because when you set up your code of conduct you, you in a lot of ways you set the the vibe of what someone's going to be stepping into in textual format. And then if you're, I'm just going to use podcasting because that's what we do. If you then bring it, you pair that with a, a podcast where people feel like they get to know you already. Like they, they, there's this, there's this relationship that's formed when they listen to you every week. And so you combine that with the COC and genuinely they take care of themselves, AKA market themselves because those kind of people that resonate with you and you with them will naturally come to your community because after whether listening to the show and reading the COC, they feel like they're a good fit. And honestly, I would probably say eight out of 10 times that is the case. The people that you get because of the way you set up your COC and if you're doing some kind of show or some kind of content creation that's resonating with people, it plays really, really well. And you get this really good mix of people who are then a part of your community and oddly enough in a lot of ways are just like you because you've garnered the people that you resonate with and vice versa and so it just works out really really well i agree there i agree there a lot and and, and again like wizzy is just crushing it with some of these comments in there i love it um and and it, the funny thing is like we have gone crazy back soon katie a, a wonderful friend of ours and she took over lore she took over the lore seekers guild for us and and um we've had many conversations about guild leadership with her and uh and her and her co-leader just absolutely crushing it over there it's still still working really well but wizzy says leadership has to understand sometimes they are the problem guilds fail when they refuse to self-reflect and 
I, I gotta tell you, like, I dwell on the stuff because gaming is my hobby. The game that I'm playing, the community that I'm in is, it's so, so, so important to all three of us that just like Jibs was saying, I literally have lost sleep over it, um, over some of these situations because I always want to give everybody a fair shake. I don't like conflict either, but if conflict is standing in between homeostasis of my community or our community, then it is what it is. You don't have to like me. You don't have to like the choice that I'm making. But if you are an issue, then you might be going away or we might be having a pretty cool talk at first. But I like I, I have to uh, tackle those problems. If you don't tackle those problems, then they just do nothing but fester. There are there are quite a few things, and I know that um, that we're pre- I think we're pretty good at this, and and I know that we're going to get uh, even better at this as as time goes on and as our community here within Ashes grows. But one of the biggest things that I think is getting your members engaged and kind of just getting them wrapped around what you want your guild to look like, your community to look like, and. I'm going to pass this. I'll pass this on to Sonny first. One of the biggest things that I think is most important, Sonny, and I'll let you elaborate on this, is just being present, being there, talking to people, playing games together, hosting events. Like, what do you think of that kind of stuff? Well, uh, okay. So um, I was going to take this in a slightly different direction, but I agree uh, that that it kind of dovetails on the next question that I was going to ask, which is how... If you are starting, if you are not a content creator like we are, we have a platform. We can say, come join our guild. And there is going to be people out there that listen to this show that will then go, oh, I should join their guild. (laughs) Like it's done. (laughs) That transaction has just happened. Right. But if you are not a content creator, my question was to you guys like, okay, well, how do you start a guild? How do you entice these people to come join? And how do you build that kind of thing? And that, that to me is kind of the answer on that is that like you have that kind of experience when we've done guilds in the past, I wasn't running the guild, but I certainly had a, had a big hand in making fun things for the guild members and making events and having fun with things like our, you know, the famous one is our Thermopylae event, but we did other things, you know, we would do races up the, you know, puzzle races and, and all sorts of different stuff and things like that. And that was just one way that we were able to say like, Hey, this is a thing. But if you're not a content creator, uh, what, what are some strategies for, for enticing people to come play a game with you and join your guild. I mean, one way is to wander around Iron Forge and say, I'll pay you 10 gold to join my guild. (laughs) That is a tried and true method. (laughs) I'll tell you right now, I think one of the most ingenious ways is have a 100% all the time in character dwarf guild. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> what do you think, Ugly? <laughs> are you are you are you a dwarf all the time? Join my guild. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Oh gosh, I love it. I think it's you know whenever I think of stuff like that, it's um, I, I would go back to one like go to the people where the people are at. And is at forums, which is very much used in Ashes of Creation, and not to mention the Discord server. Be very detailed about what you're about. 
and post the COC there if you wanted to, if it's allowed. You know, do whatever you know you need to do. And and truthfully, it may involve some more checks and balances and and getting things set up from a bot standpoint when it comes to Discord, because ultimately you're going to need to have a Discord server or some kind of place where people can gather. But you know, you're to to kind of at the at the at the onset of when these people are joining. You know, maybe having a few more things, checks and balances in place, just because you don't have that that um, maybe that communal space if you're a creator or something or, or what have you. And ju- that's just to protect you and your community. But, you know, like ultimately I, I think it's just, <laughs> I want to be where the people are. You want to just go, <laughs> go where the people are and, and meet them and talk with them. I love your idea about posting your COC. Why couldn't you get on any recruitment form? Don't go to Reddit. Um, I, don't get your members from Reddit. Please do me that favor. Um, <laughs> If you say you were to go to the forums for Ashes of Creation and, and you're to start your recruitment there, why could you not set your put your code of conduct in there? Because that immediately establishes, you know, what what your limits are or the way that you want to run the way you want to run your community. I mean, if people have the they ha- they can believe in your fundamental beliefs of how you want to run this thing then they're going to understand what they're getting into based off of your tone. Oh, great. You know, and based off of off of some of the, you know, some of the rule sets that you that you have in place. I think that's a that's a fantastic idea. And I'm going to go one further on that. And I'm going to say that, like, the the code of conduct is one part of it. But you could build a guild the same way that we build a podcast. And that is to find something that makes you you right. Find something that 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 really would bring people to you. It's hard to build a guild with no identity. If you're like, I'm looking for gamers that play Ashes, great. <laughs> okay? You've come to the right place, sir. You've come to the right place. It's a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> maybe maybe a little more specific next time, right? So it's like, okay, I'm looking for gamers that are, uh, that are mature adults that are, you know, that have working lives that are, don't have that kind of time to, to spend all day long playing game, but still want a community. Okay, now we're talking, right? I'm looking for gamers that are interested in the economy of the thing and are looking to run some caravans for fun. Fantastic, right? Now you're starting to build this kind of community that, yeah, I mean, you can delve out from that. There's nobody in this game, including myself, that is so hopped up in the economy that they're not going to want to do some PvP every now and then. It's just the way that it goes. You will always branch out from that kind of stuff. But building that identity, the identity of Loreforged and the identity of us as gamers has always been that mature adult gamer guild. That's just who we are. That is the core fundamental principle of it. And then we branch out from there, right? Then you're going to get all sorts of little fingers into all sorts of parts of the game. But that's who we are. So if you have an identity and you have an idea on who you are, then then build a guild out of it. Yeah, agreed. And I would take that one step further in kind of a different um, a different way when it comes to identity. Presentation is everything. <laughs> and you only get that presentation once you get that initial whoa once only ever once so if you're going to start a community this may be kind of a little bit of a left turn but invest in whether it's a friend or fiber it or do whatever you have to do to create a visual presence as well 
get because what that also conveys is not only in your COC, but in the visuals that you portray to the people, whether it's your, a logo for your guild, a banner for your guild, that puts off a vibe as well. That is going to make them feel a certain way in addition to the COC. And it's attractive. People like to people like pretty things. You give them something pretty, they're like, oh, shiny. It's like a fun fact for Sunny. You know? So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So so I know that's a little bit of a left turn, but truthfully, that has been uh, that is very much in my head it's something that you want to have as well. The more professional you can look, the more fun it looks, you know, just it's more inviting for people. It's beyond just text, it's image. Can I take it a step further? <laughs> How many steps can we go? There's a lot of steps. <laughs> one more, okay. Sonny. We're moving. <laughs> I want to give it one, one step further. Um, if, if you're trying to, to build a community, um, this is an RPG. Like, we, we are going to be playing a massively multiplayer online RPG, which means people, even though they say they don't, everybody loves a little role play. So if you have a good premise for your guild, write something up in character. Have your COC be in character. Have your message to your prospective members of your new community be in character. People, and then hold on. <laughs> people love that shit. Like, they seriously do, man. It's, it is way too much freaking fun. And, like... I, I will flat out say this right here as a teaser. I cannot wait to start recruiting for our guild because we have some really freaking cool little RPG elements that we're going to throw into our guild recruitment. It is just going to be a, a super fun deal. And just like we were saying, you know, we, we jest about the Dwarf Guild all the time, but these guys are crushing it. They're doing a great freaking <laughs> job with that. It looks so attractive. We have one of our members in, in, in chat, Carl, I know you're out there. He wants to start a Nakua guild. I, I mean, okay, that sounds freaking, he like pitched it to me. I was like, dude, we will freaking support you as much as possible because that sounds amazing. Just a coastal node type guild that is all Nakua. How freaking cool is that? It's just, there's little things like that that you can put in. There's that flavor that you can put in there when you're trying to bring folks in. But what I will say is have a plan for it once you do get those members. you got to follow through on stuff like that. So if you're going to advertise something as, hey, this is our theme, this is, you know, this is what we're going to do. And you're going to add those RPG elements in there and, and that role play flavor in there. You do have to have some follow through with the way that you actually execute it. All right. I'm going to put a bow on this uh, since I feel like I'm kind of the moderator of this one, having the, the least experience in running a guild. But this is a nice question to end on. How do you measure success after oh. you have built a guild. What does success look like to either one of you guys? Cash? I think that uh, a measurement of success for me is you you are you are going to know it. You are absolutely going to know it. If you've hit some of these things that we've talked about, if you're present for your guild, if you're putting on guild events, if you're managing problems and making toxic people go away, you're protecting the sanctity of what you're trying to build, you will see growth continue. And it's, it's, it's not just for content creators that are, that are starting communities and stuff. 
you guys like we are in we are vastly in the minority here with the people who are going to be running guilds as content creators there are so many more guilds out there by just folks are just advertising with a really cool premise and people are diving in when people show up and they stay that is a massive indicator that you are doing something right when the toxicity is low when you've gotten things set up and i do i want to go over a few things here um uh, before we completely wrap just some closing thoughts on it but i'll 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 do that in a minute i'll go ahead and default to to jibs for the rest of the answer on this one but i really think that you are going to know whether or not your guild is successful or not no infighting you are you're just going to feel it yeah i, I agree with everything he just said and i i want to add to that i think it's it's also when when you can sit back and just watch your discord server at night and just watch it and watch the relationships form watch the friendships that form there's people over who met through lore seekers who got married man like yeah legit what <laughs> you know like it's just like when you can watch stuff like that and you watch friendships that are now like lifelong friendships even beyond the couple that got married you know just like and you watch it go and you watch the people who to me, as, as, there's a sense of pride that they form because it's 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 not it's not like our it's not our like us three it's not our community it's their community and you see exactly. that, that that pride of protecting that community rise up in them whenever something you know maybe someone who's clearly not there should not be there you know they just rise up to defend like hey this is our neighborhood. You've joined, you've come into our family. And so we're going to protect this adamantly. And when you can sit back and just watch that and you never have to say a word, you never have to say a word. It will at some point, like Cash was saying, um, uh, well, he wasn't saying this specifically, but what he was saying in addition to was eventually your community will get on autopilot once everything's all set up. I mean, yes, it'll be like bumpers on a bowling alley, but in a lot of ways it becomes on autopilot because of all the lay work that you do up front. And then you get to reap the rewards of just watching these relationships form, watching people take pride in that community. It means something to them. It's more than just a gaming, a game. It's more than just community. It's like family and it becomes something really, really special. And that to me, I think is success. It does. Numbers don't matter to me. Quality is what matters. And if quality is five good quality people, that's five good quality people that are in a family with you. And it's really special. Vertec had a had an excellent point uh, in the chat. And he said, uh, a great sign of success is when somebody walks up to you and says, I've been thinking about leaving my guild because of X reason. I've run dungeons and adventures with a lot of your people. Do you have an opening? Uh, and that means that people are outwardly happy to be in your guild and represent it well. And that's a, a lot of what you were saying, JB. Like, you're seeing it. People are very tribal on that, and they will defend their own tribe. But on top of that, they're going to tell everybody else how much they enjoy the time that they're having in their guild. Yeah. And when that kind of stuff is happening, you're not asking them to go out and do that. You're not asking people to go out into the community and not be a-holes and to tell everyone how great our guild is. Like, nobody does that. They either do it or they don't. And uh, and, and that is certainly uh, a measure of success. We're running into the end of the show here. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to give me some final tips 
Uh, and I'll start with Cash. Um, Cash, do you have any final tips on the concept of community and guild and everything like that for for the people on this uh, on the show? Yeah, I, I do. I have I have uh, some bullet points here that I do want to talk about, but I I don't want to scare anybody away from this when I when I say that guild leadership is no joke. Like if you want to do it right, it you really do have to kind of commit yourself to the role of a leader. And like I said before, people might not always like the decisions that you make, but this is the community that you are trying to build. And as long as you have the best of intentions in doing so, and you know, you're not being an a-hole about things, I think people can really, will really be able to get behind you if your premise is good. Um, Do not be afraid to make those unpopular decisions if you need to, in order to protect the majority of your guild because you will never ever as a guild leader be able to satisfy everybody all of the time somebody will invariably butt heads with you at, at some point and whether or not you retain that person or retain those people that do that it all comes down to how you interact with them i mean it's very very important always default to kindness um so i will say if you're going to start a guild then you really got to make the choice to do it Right. And we know it's a game, but just, you know, leading these communities really does require some good leadership uh, principles. So get that COC, get a really good COC. If you want to steal ours, steal it. It's there for your use. Steal, steal the thing that we've had and, and that we've really massaged over <laughs> many years of good leadership. Um, make sure you have good mods, good people that you trust, good officers that you really do trust and really do have some sort of a vetting process to get those people in there because you cannot do the entirety of guild leadership by yourself. This is no way. Um, if when you run into issues, praise in public, discipline or investigate issues in private, it's super, super important that you do that. You, nobody wants to be embarrassed over, you know, stupid gaming stuff. Um, have some kind of a daily schedule, daily events that you do, weekly events that you do, set that thing up, have a calendar. All those things are really, really good for keeping people engaged and keeping people coming back. Um, always have your eye open for leadership potential. When you have people out there that are, that have become good friends, people who are inadvertently leading groups and they're just crushing it. You put that person in your back pocket, you have a little conversation with that person, say, how would you like to come in and, and be part of our guild leadership team? And those people are usually so freaking stoked. And then you take those officers that you make and you empower them to go out and just do your bidding. <laughs> you empower them to go out and do guild events and run things on their own and, and just give them the tools that they need to do to succeed. Um, I'm going to leave you with this final thought. And this is why it's it's so critical, why guild leadership, when you really want to do it right, is so critical. If something goes wrong, it is always the guild leader's fault. Sounds harsh, but that is ownership. If something goes wrong, you must have missed something somewhere. So take that time, just like we we're talking about in, uh, with the chat, to self-reflect. Think about where you went wrong, talk to your officers, and fix those issues. If anybody ever wants to talk guild leadership, join our Discord, send us a DM, send us a message, hit us on Twitter. I will talk about this stuff all day. I love this kind of stuff. So we are open to you as a resource. 
Now follow that, JB. Nope, I'm just going to take in the outro unless you have something, because that's not happening. No, I think we're into the outro. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jibs. I didn't mean to no, roundhouse kick like, you this in this is your wheelhouse, right? I like, love this This stuff. is like, hey, they go? let's talk. Let's do an economy show, and uh, we're going to try to put the reins on Sunny for 60 minutes here. Like, this is yeah. guild leadership, right? Like, this uh, is yeah. your baby. The, yep. We knew this was going to be the case. This is, this is something that before we even started this whole project we're like cash we want to run a guild get ready and 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 this is exactly what what we expected so to do a show on guild leadership is just i mean we're throwing softballs to you here and letting you knock them out of the park and i think you did so so thank you i just yeah i'm smiling like i this is my wheelhouse i love this stuff <laughs> come join uh, us it's gonna be super fun in ashes i swear it'll be a good times. <laughs> oh well thank you everyone so much for taking time to push play come check out our whether you're watching on youtube which uh, a lot of you do or maybe you're listening to our rss feeds thank you so much for for checking out lore forged and we hope you enjoyed your time here and learned something today most importantly uh, that you can apply to your guilds or community. So if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment. Tell us how we're doing. We've been around for 17 episodes. We have maybe less than 10 reviews. And so I'm putting the challenge out there. Mm. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you've enjoyed your time here after you're done, take 30 seconds and leave us a review. For every written five-star review that we get on Apple Podcasts, we will happily read those right here live and on, on the air. But we genuinely do want to hear from you and let us know how we're doing, what you think we could do to improve, add to the show, etc. Just let us know. And of course, you can always call us 516-875-1776. Try to keep your voicemails around a minute or less if you want to play it here on the show. And of course, you can always email us, loreforgedhq at gmail.com. Get uh, possibly featured right on our mailbag segment. Sonny! You can find the links to all of our stuff at loreforged.com, including YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash at loreforged for all of our YouTube stuff. It is not coming out at the blistering pace that we initially started it at, but it is regularly coming out. So we're trying to get you a brand new video uh, at least once a week. And of course, the show is always on YouTube as well. Um, Plus shorts. Shorts are a thing for Gen Zers, I guess. Uh, you can go to <laughs> Twitch, twitch.tv slash loreforgedhq if you want to follow me through 15th century Bavaria. <laughs> <laughs> and also talk about Ashes of Creation at the same time. It's a fun, we're, we're building a fun little community there on Twitch. It's a good time. Um, plus, you're watching it right now, so that's great. Patreon. Get all of our content early on Patreon, plus the State of the Owl, which is our exclusive After Dark uh, episode uh, once a month for the patrons, and that is at patreon.com slash loreforged HQ cash. I think we need to drop more f bombs on our after dark show. I'm just I'm throwing you, you're gonna throw a gauntlet for reviews. I'm gonna it's throw a gauntlet hard for, for us me to, to do say it. I'm just more. so I'm so conditioned, and you just just freely you just let them go. You're, you're so natural. You're so natural. I, I actually I think out of all the ones that we've done, what are we on four? Four state of the uh, owls or something like that. Four, four, four? five. We just I did the one yesterday. The, five. I haven't said the f word once. No, uh, that's not true. That's, that's not, true. not true. That's not true. <laughs> that's no. absolutely not true. No. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna have to go look at that. Where's my red flag? I love you like my next review on this. That's not true. <laughs> F you guys. You're so judgy. <laughs> 
Friends, if you want to join our Discord community, uh, I think we freaking beat the hell out of that dead horse tonight. But uh, we do have a good time in our Discord community. Everybody's welcome, content creators, players, anybody who wants to come in. And like I said, if you guys want to come in and talk uh, guild leadership so you can, you know, fly off and build your own guild, then come on in, man. We'll we'll chat about guild leadership. We'll help you how, however we can. Uh, you can follow us on X, Jibs is at Jibs IRL. Myself is at Cash Quests, and the cash is with a K. Sunny is at you of Coruscant, and don't forget to follow the show at Loreforged HQ. Friends, we have a couple of new Discord members. This week mm. we got Gooback and Wildstrike. Wildstrike is actually a friend of ours from from a bunch of years back, and we're really happy to have him uh, along with us on this ride. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention: Sunny put a really cool video out uh, a little less than a week ago on guild classes. Super cool. I mean, we're talking guilds tonight, so we might as well kind of throw this one out there. Guild class is kind of a super cool, like, wall of crazy type idea that he has about, like, guilds that specialize in certain things. Um, and I thought it was a very, very interesting video that he put out. There's a couple little funny things about my height in there, which I got a good kick out of as well. But anyway, if you're interested in uh, absorbing some of your content um, for Ashes of Creation via YouTube, then um, we have some really fun videos that we've been, been putting out. So anyway, that's that. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you and you have a wonderful week in gaming and we will see you back here next week on our roundup of the development update on Artisans artisanship so take care have a great week peace love and honeybees safe travels adventures <laughs>